What's amazing is Jesus was alone and he gives us the conclusion to the Garden of Eden as he shows us how he, the last Adam, triumphs. Now, what's the setting? Verse 1 says, Jesus was led up by the Spirit in the wilderness. Now, it's interesting. Mark comments on that and says the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. So he was led, but yet there was a real, a real direction in this. This was not an accident. This didn't just happen. This was part of God's sovereign plan that he determined. The foreknowledge of God, he determined this event take place. As you notice, it was right after Christ's baptism in chapter 3. Then uh, Mark adds that Jesus wasn't just in the wilderness. He was with the beasts. Now, remember, the wilderness is an awful place. The Jews didn't like the wilderness. Uh, the wilderness uh, is where Azael was. That's, that's the, the, when they would take the scapegoat, they would send off that other scapegoat to the wilderness, the abode of the demons. And that's where uh, even our guide a few weeks ago in Israel, he says, oh, we hope those goats don't come back. You know, because they sent off every year all the sins of the people on a goat, in the scapegoat into the wilderness. Jesus went out where all the sins were sent. He went out where all the demons were thought to be, where the people that cut themselves and howled that were demonized lived out there in the wilderness, in the graves, in the caves. That's where he was, with the wild beasts, as it says in Mark 1.13. Also, it says here, as I noted in verse 2, he fasted for 40 days, so he was physically weak. And then, look at this, verse 3. Notice all the different words for Satan in this little account. The tempter, the devil, Satan. And we find Satan the adversary, the devil, the slanderer, Lucifer the fallen, the father of lies himself, the father of sin, of murder, of death, and the one for whom hell was made, the powerful king of darkness, at just Christ's weakest moment, comes to him. Isn't that how it is in our life? Isn't that what the holidays are like? I just talked to someone this week and they said, that they work here in town and, and they have a, a special uh, job where they visit all of the various supermarkets in Tulsa and they do that on a regular basis and they said between Thanksgiving and Christmas they see more frustration, more anger, more total despair in the stores. I mean, it's, it's the despair that there's not enough money, there's not enough time, nothing pleases anyone, there's pressure, family expectations and everything else and it just squeezes people until what's inside of them comes out, right? Like we're learning in Sunday school. It's what's inside the tea bag that comes out. It's not the hot water. The hot water just precipitates it. Well, Jesus is put into a hot situation, and we're going to see what comes out. But Satan always comes at our weakest moment to hit right on what we are struggling with. I think to, to help us with this, so we need to take a moment and run back to chapter 10. Of Hebrews, Could you do that with me? There's a verse which maybe will put the whole temptation account together. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 7. And if you don't have this one marked, maybe you could mark it in your Bible because this is an explanation of why Christ came into the world. And he completely follows his pattern. In chapter 10 of Hebrews, verse 5, and, and through 7. 7 is the key, but 5 explains it. It says in verse 5, Therefore, when he came into the world, this is Hebrews 10:5. he said, Sacrifice and offering you didn't desire, but a body you prepared me, and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, now look at this, verse 7, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me, here's the key, to do your will. Now what was Jesus Christ's marching orders while he was here on earth? He said, I didn't come to do my own will, but the will of my Father in heaven. 
when he was praying in the garden. He says, not my will, but what? Thine be done. Right. So Jesus, from the manger to the cross, had one channel. I didn't come to do my own way, to do my own thing. I came to do the will of my Father. I have yielded my life. I have chosen. I am going to do the will of my Father in heaven. That was his life. That was his purpose. And Hebrews 10 says that's why he came into the world, to do the will, verse 7, of God. Now, it's an interesting thought as you turn back to Matthew chapter 4 with me. Let me ask you this. Is that why we're here? I mean, really? Is that what you live for? Do you say, in my family, it's not my will, it's not my plans, it's not my dreams, it's your will I want done? How do I know what your will is? You happen to have given me your revealed will in this book. And if I don't know what the mind of God is, how am I going to lead my family in God's will, my life, my business, my marriage? Jesus said, I came to do your will. Well, everything Jesus did was through the power of the Holy Spirit. And what... Christ accomplished was a life of devoted obedience in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and transforms the sons of God, that's us, sons and daughters of God, to do the will of God. And so we have to choose to yield to that will because God wants us, like Christ, to say, I come to do your will. I hope that in your Mind as we're going through the Gospel by Matthew chapter 4, that you see all of this was possible because Jesus Christ lived the perfect life. Do you want to have obedience in your life? Follow His perfect example. Want to do the will of God. Well, here are the penetrating truths we can get, and there are three of them. Real quickly, I want to show you from the temptation of Christ. Number one, the target or the goal of the temptation. Satan had three specific areas he was targeting. He had examined in the garden Adam and Eve and he found out that humans have a problem with their bodies, their souls, and their spirit. And there's a little little entryway that he can get in there. So that's what he attacks with Christ. And we have all the way through the gospel Satan tempting Christ, but these 40 days were filled with an extra powerful spiritual struggle. It was the climax of his attack. Now here's the first one. Look at, at verse 3. When the tempter came to him, this is Matthew 4, 3, he said, if you're the Son of God, now look, this is not an accident, command these stones to become what? Bread. Let me ask you, is there anything wrong with eating bread? No. That's a legitimate desire. Did you know what Satan does? Satan does not tempt me to climb you know, Mount Everest or to sail plane. I have no desire to do any of those ridiculous things. He tempts me in areas of legitimate desire. And you too. And eating is a normal, legitimate desire. But Satan always tempts us the same way. To fulfill our legitimate desires in an illegitimate way. What's that? A legitimate desire for security. We illegitimately spend our whole life trying to make ourselves secure. And God says there's nowhere on earth that you can have foundations. They're only in heaven. We have a legitimate desire to provide for our family. So we spend our whole life trying to amass enough and we never quite get enough so we feel we have financial security. God gives us a, a legitimate sexual desire. and He says that there is a way for that to be satisfied. Complete, in fact, not just satisfied, you can be intoxicated in marriage. If you have an eye single for one woman your whole life, for your wife, 
And he says, if your eye be single, then you will be intoxicated with her. You know what happens? Most people in this world, on their way home to dinner, they stop and they're eating all the fast food and snacks and candy bars and everything else. And when they get home, they're not hungry. And that's what's gone wrong with so many marriages in America. There's so much snacking and and grazing on on the magazine racks and the Internet and and prowling eyes. And and there's never any hunger with an eye single for their wife. And legitimate desires, whether they be for security, for eating, for sexual desires, for anything else, Satan always attacks a legitimate desire. Man shall not, uh, I mean, commanding the stones to become bread. He takes a legitimate desire... And he asks us to yield to him to, to satisfy it in an illegitimate way. What is this? Well, the first temptation, number one, is a physical attack. It's an attack on Christ's appetite. It's a desire to enjoy. Satan attacks Christ at the point of submission to the will of God in this. Is he going to submit to God and fulfill God's will when it comes to his appetite? It was an attack and a temptation to satisfy a legitimate desire by an illegitimate means. For us today, it's the whole realm of sensual things, of drugs, of alcohol, of eating, of our everyday lives, trying to get what only God can give and trying to fill our lives with pleasures of our own making instead of from God. Did you know if God has given you any legitimate desire and every legitimate desire we were born with, all that I mentioned, God gave to us, therefore God has a perfect way to satisfy that desire. You know what we spend our lives doing? Ignoring God's perfect way and trying to find our own way. Trying to find our own way. And that's what the frustration and the guilt and all of the sadness comes from. Well, what's the answer? Look at what Jesus says. Verse 4. He answered and said, It is written. Now, what I think is interesting is, uh, this Bible I'm reading right now happens to be a red-letter Bible, so guess what? The uh, it is written is in red. The problem with that is that it makes it look like the red part's better than the black, right? That's why I don't like red-letter Bibles, because every word of the Bible is the Spirit of Christ inspiring the authors to write those. So all of them, I mean, if they're going to make red-letter, they all should be red, because he inspired them all. What they're saying is, this is what Jesus said. But that doesn't make it any better than any other part of the Bible, because every word of God is pure. But... What I think is neat is, Jesus said, it is written. Now, Jesus was God the Son, and it is the Spirit of Christ that inspired the Word of God, it says in Peter. It says, they were moved by the Spirit of Christ which was in them. So the Old Testament prophets had the Spirit of Jesus Christ in them when they were inspired to write the Bible. So Jesus is in the Old Testament, and all the way through, by the way. But Jesus, everything he said was Scripture. So he chooses to not give some new revelation. He chooses to what? Quote the book you hold in your hands. In fact, he quotes from Deuteronomy, a book that a lot of people aren't very familiar with. But he had mastered it. He had ingested it. So Jesus said, quoting the Bible, man shall not live by bread alone. Yes, we have legitimate desires, but every word of God that proceeds from the mouth of God tells us how to satisfy those desires God's way is what he's saying. He says, I'm not going to snap my finger and make a bunch of breads into stone, or I mean a bunch of stone into bread. Satan knew he could do that. He watched him at creation. He watched all the power. He watched all of his miracles. He, he knows what he can do. He had a legitimate hunger, need, and God says, I'm going to satisfy that, but I'm not going to let you satisfy in an illegitimate way. I wonder this morning, have you understood the lesson of verse 4? That we... Don't live just this life, eating our bread and going through life and counting off the years until we die. 
We live by every word of God which proceeds from the mouth of God. You really are incomplete and you're unable to live life until you and I say, God, I come to do your will and this is your will. Show me what you want to do from this book. I yield my life to you. You know, Jesus said, I gave my life to thee, my precious blood I shed, that thou might ransom me and quicken from the dead. I gave, I gave my life for thee. What have you given for me? Do you know what we can give to Christ? You want to give him something this morning? Say with Jesus, I come to do your will, O God. I come to do your will. Not my will, thy will. And I will not go my own way. I want to go your way. And if I want to know what your way is, you've told me. See, that's what Jesus is saying. First attack was the physical attack on his appetite. 